Welcome to episode number 290 of Destination Linux, a video podcast show from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a discussion podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Michael. And I'm Ryan. And on this week's awesome episode of Destination Linux, we're going to be talking about hardware ga gadgets you may have never heard about, but will have you screaming, take my money. Yeah. Then we'll be discussing the great Debian debate of 2022. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. This week in our community feedback, we have an email from Brian. And if you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch or join the Tux Digital forum by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on that forum link at the top of the page. Brian goes on to say, hi, I am a silver surfer here in the UK. I've discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and love them. And I'm now catching up on previous episodes. The one distro you don't mention a lot is the one I've used for the last five years or so which is Linux Mint. I use it for everyday use. I never look back to the dark ages of Windows. I've used Linux full time for about 15 years now, but the more I use, the more there is to learn. Keep making the great shows. Let's keep those penguins marching to steal Jill's catchphrase. So interesting email because number one, when I saw Silver Surfer and first read this, Instantly, my geek instincts kicked in, and I'm thinking the comic book Silver Surfer. Yeah, I had and no then idea I was, that many either. I yeah. was like, so is he saying he is the actual Silver Surfer from the comic books or whatnot? Does he have the cosmic powers? Yeah, and that got me excited, because if the Silver Surfer is writing us, how awesome is that, that the Silver Surfer thinks about Linux and all of that? Um, but then I went online and found out that that is not what the Silver Surfer thing <laughs> means exactly. Um, but when it comes to Linux Mint, it's one of those situations where we actually covered it a couple episodes ago. I don't remember the exact yeah. episode. Linux but Mint they were doing some really out. yeah, innovative yeah. things, and that's when we cover it. And that's really for all distros. Like If they're not doing any, if they just have a new release coming out, um, we might not necessarily cover it if there's nothing spectacularly new in there. Uh, because there's not a lot of commentary to add to that. You know, if it's just, hey, we upgraded some packages and we have a new kernel version, especially when something's on Ubuntu base, it tends to not be always as exciting uh, at first. But for instance, Linksman's last release had some really exciting things that they had did, and that's why we covered it there. So don't look at it as we don't like Linux men or not big fans, but just that if they're not doing anything super exciting, it's hard to do a whole kind of collaboration with three people talking about something when it's like, oh, there's a new kernel version or something like that. Yeah, so when they so do exciting stuff, we cover it. Let me uh, clarify something a little bit more. So Ryan's talking about they have to do something spectacular. I think that's a little bit overstating because I want to just make it clear. The reason why it matters is because we have so many different things to talk about and so many different projects that we can cover. We have to be able to fit it in the show and it makes sense to be in the show. So that's why there's a little bit of a you know, kind of a barrier to entry and that sort of thing. So we do cover it when there are things to talk about. Like, for example, Linux Mint 21 came out recently and they release that those big jumps every two years. So it might seem like we're not covering it, but we are covering it when there are things to discuss. 
you know, there's, there's, that's always true for every project. So it's not like we're, you're, we're giving you a barrier. You have to get something spectacular. Otherwise, it's got to. Well, I will. Uh, you okay. want my attention? You better be doing something spectacular. I want fireworks. I want some whole major overhaul change. No, I'm kidding. Yes, I, I just mean something that's newsworthy that you can actually discuss. Like if you're yeah. switching some packages out, you're doing something different that's going to make it so that you know it's uh, actually a discussion point. Absolutely. Yeah, and they made a lot of great changes in this later latest yeah. release. And you know, my other co-coordinators, uh, Sharon and Betty of the Linux Chicks of Los Angeles, also use Linux Mint as their primary Linux OS. Nice. It's, it's loved loved by the Linux Chicks community. And you know, I've used it for years on a USB flash drive to bring new users to Linux, especially you know, those coming from Windows, because it yeah. it has the look and feel. <laughs> Absolutely. Of, of Windows. That's yeah. really interesting because there's a lot of people and there was also people in the chat talking about uh, Mint was their first installation to, to Linux. Uh, there's yeah. also people that are saying that that's their, their daily driver. And uh, a lot of people are using Mint because it is a good distro. And there's you might go back in the, the, the vault or archive of Destination Linux and you might see me be a little bit negative related to Mint. And it's not because I didn't appreciate what Mint was doing or anything like that. There were certain things that Mint had an issue with in terms of the upgradability and stuff Upgrades. like that. There were significant issues that that I would I addressed back in the day and we covered Mint a couple weeks ago because I was super excited to talk about them fixing those things with Yay. Linux Mint 21. So there you go. There you know in so in those situations that's when we bring up those topics and if you would like for us to talk about your project, of course, in order to get Ryan's approval it has to be spectacular, but if still, if or us, you have to give me a compliment. Aww. One or the other. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But send us, send us an email by going to touchdigital.com slash contact, and you can let us know about what you're doing with your project, and we can maybe talk about it on a future show. And Jill, you looked up the Silver Surfer thing. I so sure was did. I wrong that it wasn't a comic book thing? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, the most well, the important funny. Silver Surfer is absolutely the comic book version. I, I agree with that. <laughs> well, what was so funny is when we were talking about it during the week, during our meeting, I actually knew what it meant. But that's because I am one. I am over fifty, <laughs> so it's it's it, it was a common term used for 50, 50 years old and up. And yeah, according to Wikipedia, Silver Surfers is the term widely used in the UK, Australia, and some other English speaking countries to describe people who are aged over fifty and who use the internet on a frequent basis. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. And yeah, it isn't as common used term here in the US. So I understand why you guys didn't know what it was. <laughs> Us youngins Aww. just don't get it. Well, Brian, thank you so much for sending in your email. And if you want to be like Brian, a silver surfer, hit us up at tuxdigital.com slash contact and send us your feedback. And if you want to embrace the entire uh, options you have with the power cosmic, then go check out DigitalOcean. Because this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Get started right now by going to do.co slash tux2022. And with the Power Cosmic, you get all sorts of great benefits. For example, you have a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. And with DigitalOcean's Power Cosmic, you get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love, like the, the one-click install in the marketplace, be able to just load up a droplet. That is what the Power Cosmic gives you right there. 
And you also can do uh, get DigitalOcean regardless of what team size you have. So if you have a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, you can get growing at DigitalOcean with their simple, powerful cloud computing. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast, video podcast, and a member of the Ducks Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is going to give you two months of $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So go go right now, get started with your $100 free credit by going to do.co slash tux2022 to get the benefits of the awesome cloud platform and the power cosmic from DigitalOcean. And thanks again to sponsoring Destination Linux. So we've talked on this show in the past about open source software for desktops and laptops and those things. But what about the other cool technology gadgets that are out there? Now, next week, you're going to want to tune in because we're going to have an interview to talk about some of that other stuff, the laptops, the desktops, that stuff. So you want to stay tuned because we've got a special interview for that. But this week, we're going to cover some unique gadgets that perhaps are not as well known in the mainstream but deserve to, and it's going to have everybody here, well, maybe, clicking that smash button, buy button, take my money, you're going to be screaming at your screen. At least one of these is going to get you saying that here. I love how I sa- I've said like the smash button so much that it made you say smash button right there. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I can't help it. It's like, it's now in- ingrained in me. I think you Perfect. have everybody doing it too, because I hear like Gardner Bryant saying it yeah. in his videos now. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one of his videos. You've created yep. a storm with that <laughs> smash the like button thing. Smash the buy button. We'll have you smashing the buy button. All right, so we're going to talk about things like Pine Cube. The penis, pine-sol, pine-sol. Pine-sol. penicillin, pine sole, pine sole, penicillin. We're talking about It's the pine sole. How it's helped so many people out there. Um, Microp, <laughs> the mini pupper, and the onion omega. We're gonna have all kinds of cool things in there. But we gotta start when you think about cool gadgets in Linux and open source. I feel like you have to start with Pine sixty four, because who has brought us more unique gadgets than them? Of course, because we have to. We have to talk about the penicillin. <laughs> the yeah, penicillin. <laughs> penicillin. <laughs> you know, we're so close with the Pine sixty four folks that they may troll me and change the name just because I made that mess up <laughs> there. Or they'll, um, put a, they'll put a note at the bottom as a quote. It's just you saying penicillin, and then it has the quote for you <laughs> and link it to the video. They they would do that. They would do that to us for sure. Uh, So the first one I want to bring up, though, is the Pine Cube. This is a small, low-powered and open source IP camera. So whether you're a parent looking for a free and open source baby cam, which I remember that was a disaster looking for one because a lot of the wireless ones, there's fear of people being able to get into them and all that type of stuff. And there's all kinds of interference issues with baby cameras. There's also like privacy related issues because I I know there's certain cameras that were found to be sending the data back to their home base and like everybody who worked at the company had access to all that footage and like that's definitely, you know, terrifying to have something that you're using it to kind of keep your baby safe and that data being sent to who knows where. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a privacy oriented device. So if you're a shopkeeper, homeowner, again, the baby cam idea, I think the Pine Cube would be a really cool and fun thing to play with uh, out there. It's definitely when I saw it, like I've looked at all Pine 64's amazing stuff, like their watches, their tablets, uh, all of that. 
But I didn't realize they had all these other gadgets that they were selling as well because I've just been so infatuated with kind of the stuff that's gone more mainstream there. But they create a lot of cool little things there. So oh, yeah. If you've not hunted around the Pine 64 store, definitely do so. Do so. Definitely do so. And then we got the penicillin or the penicil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this is so perfect. loved by the Linux community. I know a lot of people who love their pine souls. <laughs> oh, pine soul. Pine yeah, soul. Yeah. Right. Oh, pine soul. Okay. You see, you didn't spell yeah. it out phonetically for me. You guys know better than to not spell something out phonetically for me. The pine soul is a risk five powered open and okay. versatile soldering I iron. I fixed it in the notes. It's Thank you so much. <laughs> pine sill. Just put a dash in the work. <laughs> yes. So if you want to get yourself a pine kill, this is an amazing. <laughs> oh man, I, that's just sure. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't specify this. An S sound. My bad. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You got to fix that. But this is very cool. Number one, this is one of my favorite hobbies. Soldering stuff is so relaxing to me. I buy the little kits off of Amazon to make robots or radios or other things, and just being able to build something with your hands when we spend so much time in software and meetings and other things is a lot of fun and it's also extraordinarily useful for repairing electronics all around the house whether you're talking toaster ovens washing machines computers all of those things there are times where you could use soldering so this is a risk 5 powered soldering iron that is brought to you by the folks at pine 64 and it's half the mm -hmm. price of the competition and it uses the very popular ts100 tips which means yeah. if you already have those tips you can utilize them with this, which makes it really nice. And it's also a, a much cheaper price than usual soldering irons and stuff like that. But yeah. I think you you said the name of the company wrong. It's it's Pena 64. Pena 64, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, the Pine Soul. I've actually been uh, wanting one. I need to order one soon because I, I think it'd be so cool to use the Pine Soul, something, so, a, a new device that uh, I could use to build Heath kits. <laughs> from the 1950s yeah that's cool yeah so it's kind of cool you'd have both technology older and newer <laughs> yeah and yep. also ryan mentioned earlier kind of like just kind of skirting across it but there's actually a lot of other products that we do we are not we're not really talking about in depth because there's just so many of them right but they mm -hmm. have they have their own uh system on a chip uh boards that you can get like the quartz 64 you can also get the uh, pine phone the pine book pro the pine tab the pine time which is their watch like Yay. there's a lot of really cool stuff at pine 64 and most of it is very reasonably priced i think all of it really is but yeah, i haven't i can't guarantee that since i haven't looked at every single product but the the fact that you can get like most of this like i think the pine time watch is only like 30 bucks or something like that mm -hmm. like it's it's pretty awesome you could actually own almost the whole pine ecosystem for under six hundred dollars <laughs> which is amazing wow yeah yeah <laughs> so lots of cool gadgets there but when we're talking about gadgets for your home, virtual home assistants have taken the world by storm, unfortunately, to my peril, because the gadgets they're taking the world by storm are Amazon Echo and Google Homes and all of these things that are extraordinarily privacy invasive devices. And there are so many stories out there about these things, listening all the time, recording it. Even people going back with their Amazon Echoes and other things and realizing that it's recording things when they're not even asking it to just randomly throughout the day. Uh, these things are something that you definitely want the more open source and Linux philosophy against of privacy 
and a platform that you can actually go through the code and make sure that you're trusting it's doing what it says it's doing. And so when you're looking for a good home assistant, I think the options that we have, whether you make one yourself with the Raspberry Pi or you buy their pre-built kit is with the Mycroft. And so we're gonna talk about the Mycroft Mark II, which is a much better looking device, I have to say, than the Mark One. What? Don't if, you don't yeah, like the weird better. cartoony face display? <laughs> I mean, you know, I could get behind silliness and stuff, but I think this one looks more like something you would anybody would put out in their home. Like oh yeah, my I home think it you looks expect great. silly, yeah. smiling digital faces, but this one looks very solid. Looks yeah, I, I think it actually. I was just giving it like a little bit of a hard time. The the Mycroft first one wasn't that big a deal, but in terms of like the design is not bad or anything. It was just it's just kind of fun in a silly way. But the the new one does seem a lot more you know um, just more professional looking. I think. And uh, I haven't used Mycroft in a long time. When I did use Mycroft, it could do a lot of cool stuff, but it also kind of felt like it was like too early stages. But that's been years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole new model that is coming out in, in like a month or a little bit over a month. So uh, I'm very excited to see what they have with this new latest thing. I mean, I, I think the idea of creating it with your own Raspberry Pi and that sort of stuff like that is a really cool idea. To have something like Mycroft where you can have your own virtual home assistant that's actually integrated into your workflow and to being able to customize it because it's open source and be able to integrate it with so much cool stuff, I think that's fantastic. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of potential for the Mycroft, and I hope that the work done for Mycroft continues to grow because, I mean, I want to have a virtual assistant set up in my home, but I also don't want it to be one of the main companies. You know, yeah, that, you don't want the privacy yeah. invasive. And, and they talk about that here, provides a great voice um, for those who are interested in the privacy and it only will collect information if you ask it to. So there's opt-in and opt-out if you want it to use some of that information to help improve its abilities. I took and built one of these out of a Raspberry Pi. At the time, they wanted you to use the PlayStation camera as a connection into the Raspberry Pi, which acted as your mic and things. So I built it per their specs, brought it to a local Linux group that I was running here in Georgia, and we were playing with some of its abilities. Like you, Michael, it was like hit or miss. Sometimes it would understand what you're saying. Sometimes it would do something different. It wasn't perfect. But I feel like supporting this, $299 is a lot. And if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Maybe look at the Raspberry Pi option. But if you can, I look at this as something we want to grow. And that $299, while a little pricey for home assistance, we can go get an Echo for 50 bucks or something. You got to think about the reason why they can sell that for 50 bucks is because they're going to sell your data on top of it. And you want to grow this ecosystem. We really need a really good open source alternative to those things out there. And I think Mycroft is the closest thing. I haven't tried it recently, but I'm sure it still needs some work. But the more people utilizing it, training it, and running through those algorithms, the better it's going to get. And let's not pretend that Siri and Google Voice and stuff are actually good either. Yeah, so they have problems. we don't have a lot to catch up to, honestly, with uh, when it comes to the mainstream there. Yeah, I really want to try this uh, new Mycroft out. I had, uh, I, I still have the first one, and I really liked it, but it was just sluggish. The software yeah. was sluggish whenever you do commands. It was that that was my experience with it, but it's brilliant and I was I was hoping it would get updated and it has. So I have a feeling the software is just getting better and better as well with the yep. hardware. 
Yeah, it's got a lot of new features like active noise cancellation, full color touchscreen, all kinds of different things that you can play with that. So definitely check that one out. But if we're talking about gadgets, we got to talk about servers next. Servers, Yay. naturally, Linux. I guess. They kind of like they're married together. They're one. They're one and. The I mean, same, yes, so. that's true, but I'm not really sure you would count a server as a gadget necessarily. I mean, yeah. typically, <laughs> typically a server is a giant machine, or no. at least like a like a that little box that Manjaro sent us runs all of my Pi-hole, my Nextcloud server, all of that. Well, so you, you know, it it's into a little a server, gadget, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Fair enough. You mean it's not a 250 <laughs> node Beowulf cluster? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not speaking different languages here, Jill. Speak English. Speak English. <laughs> so wh what exactly you're talking about with this server gadget? Well, I was looking at really unique servers out there because obviously we could go get, talk about blade servers and those type of things. That's not gadgety enough, I feel like. Everybody knows That's what I was did. saying. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I guess. But this is an onion. <laughs> I guess. But I didn't say it. That's the difference. When I say it, it matters. You know, it means Oh, something. okay. I got yeah. it now. I got it. So Just... this is the world's smallest server. The world's smallest. So I have the little <laughs> mini cube that Manjaro sent us. I love it. It's awesome. This is way, way smaller than that. This is like the size of a quarter. And yes, it could be used as a server. It's the world's smallest Linux server with Wi-Fi built in. And you can build it for all of the Internet of Things that you want to do out there. It is called the Omega 2, a simple, affordable development board for everyone, as they claim. And it is when they say it's affordable, so cute. I mean, let's yes. see how affordable is it, Ryan? Yes, how it's affordable. cute. Yes, it's small and it <laughs> looks interesting. And, they, and also they talked about how they have different ways you can like add stuff onto it to make it even, you know, have more power and stuff like that. But Let's be serious. What's the starting price of this server, Ryan? Well, like most servers, your price range starts at about $50,000 for your initial implementation Naturally, and then right. up to anywhere to a million <laughs> to four million. But this particular server implementation is five whole dollars. Five dollars. That's, that's so excessive. <laughs> yes, five whole dollars. Uh, awesome. And you could get the Omega 2 Plus for $9 or if you want the Omega and the dock to put it in, you're going to really have to open your pocketbook at a full 20 buckaroos there. 20 buckaroos. Yeah. So much money. Oh. <laughs> they call it the onion omega too, but yet there's a cherry next to it. <laughs> In the pit. The they need side. to hire you, Jill, so for their marketing. <laughs> you know yeah. Great point. I mean, why is, not, why is it not an onion? Come on. <laughs> I mean, there are little baby onions too, and they could have put that next to, to, to the picture of it on the website. <laughs> But instead, they put a cherry, which makes yeah. sense because it's the just it's a little so bit tiny. bigger than that cherry. So maybe they should yeah. call it the Omega 2 cherry. Maybe it's yeah. because they wanted to say that Omega 2 is the cherry on top of your gadgets list. See, ah, that's pretty good. Very there. good. Yeah. <laughs> but this little device, the size of a quarter, actually runs a full Linux distro out there. In fact, in the videos, they'll show mm -hmm. it running Midnight Commander, Jill. And yeah. Things like that, doing <laughs> a bunch excited. of different... Yeah, and it's got Wi-Fi built in, which is quite amazing. I mean, the original Raspberry Pis, I don't think, had Wi-Fi built into them, and they're doing that now, something the size of a quarter. Um, but you could do some Python in this, PHP, Node. You could do some cloud integrations, obviously IoT things with this little device. It's actually quite usable uh, for those who like to hack around with little gadgets. And the price is right, and it would be a really fun thing for kids, too, to play with. And there's even stuff where they show it 
controlling robotic arms and things as applications for this little device. So Very go cool. check it out. It's not awesome. one you hear a lot about, but I think it's pretty cool. For five bucks? <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It's in my cart. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the next server I want to talk about is a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. It's called the Freedom Box. And this is a privacy server for non-experts. It lets you install and configure server applications with just a few clicks, and you can run it on your own hardware, so completely open source. You want to run it yourself, you can, or you can purchase their very inexpensive Pioneer Edition box. And this is awesome because I like looking at the options of purchasing their equipment sometimes, even if I could run it on my own, because it kind of helps support the whole ecosystem of things like this. But what I like about this little box is that it comes pre-installed. It reminds me of Cloud Run. Michael, you know, we, we've we used Cloud Run before where basically you can, oh, yeah. on DigitalOcean, you can mm -hmm. spin up a servers and it kind of does all the backend work and even upgrades and stuff for you. You just kind of click the button. It's like the marketplace for DigitalOcean too, where one-click droplets. Um, but this comes pre-installed with a bunch of software and even has battery backup built into it, nice. which is kind of cool. And this little device will allow you to do web-based IMAP clients, email for email, calendar, online chatting, file storage, basically anything you could do with the little server there. And it's a whole 69 Monopoly money. Um, yeah. It had that weird symbol, so I assume that's Monopoly money. <laughs> euros. <laughs> yes. Oh, euros. Euros, euros. So yeah. if, for those who are interested in checking this out and you're not, you want to know what that per, that amount of money is in real money, you can go to Google <laughs> and, and <laughs> the, this is actually true. You can go to Google, search 69 euros and put two real or put 69 euros in real money and it will tell you what it is in USD. <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's like wow. an easter we egg have thing. way too many listeners in the uk <laughs> to be pissing all of them off so the, this we're is, joking to be this, clear we are joking but that is also yes. true that google will do that if you do that yeah. i just thought it was funny that just to mention that <laughs> real because money you, because you said monopoly money i'm like well like, we have to give them the easter egg but this is really cool. The Freedom Box is a really interesting thing. And the idea of having like a home server that's kind of pre-set up and it has all these different features and being able to configure it with different applications and all that sort of stuff is really just an awesome idea. And also the name Freedom Box, I like it because it's, you know, you get to control dope, it, right? do whatever you want with it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's been around since uh, 2010. I remember when they launched the Freedom Box and that was more expensive then, but it's come down in price and it's even better now. It's really cool. So one of our listeners just said they don't use the Euro in the UK. Uh, I forgot it's tea bags. So use... <laughs> oh no. <laughs> they trade tea. Cause remember the whole thing where we dumped their tea in the ocean when we were mad at them. It's like tea. <laughs> yes, Zeb I remember. I was there. Zeb might not be too happy sure. about that, Ryan. Zeb might not be too happy about that. They don't use paper money. They use tea bag things. Uh, yeah, different types of spices going and off tea. The rails, it feels like. Yes. But, Sorry, everyone in the UK. I did not mean to get your money wrong. We did not, we did not yeah. want to insult the tea bags, I'm sure. Oh, so Impatient you. Ape in chat said one euro is a dollar and three cents in US money. Yeah. Yep. I still think the real money is the better way of finding out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this next gadget, Jill, I think you're just going to squeal over. It's called the mini pupper. Yes. And so Cute. robots are very cool just in general. Wendy's been talking about on Hardware Addict, some of the robotic projects she's working on with her kids. 
On the Hardware Addicts version, though, she tells us all the happy stuff about it. When she's not on Hardware Addicts, we find out she's up till 3 a.m. because the stupid robot's not doing what it's supposed to do sometimes. But (laughs) it's still fun at the end of the day when you finally get it. And I know all that frustration because sometimes you're programming these things and they do the right thing one time and then something changes and they won't repeat it. But the Mini Pupper is an open source robot dog Mm -hmm. designed to make robotics easier. For schools, homeschool families, enthusiasts, whoever wants to play with this little device, it's a dog-shaped robot that can hop, trot, and run around. Also, doesn't make messes in your house, so it's already far more advanced than a real dog. It's far cuter than the uh, <laughs> the, the common big robots that we see. <laughs> that yeah, that... but this looks just like that dog <laughs> from um, Cyber Acoustic. Not cyber Boston, Boston, Boston Dynamics. Dynamics. Boston, Boston Dynamics. Dynamics. That yeah. was. I just keep I, that was the messing word. I was everything to... up. Yeah, you're, I don't know where you were going. With that. My brain's woo. Boston <laughs> Dynamics. Yeah, yeah. it looks the, like that dog. It does a little bit, yeah, and Google also <laughs> it yeah. looks it looks like a really fun idea for getting people into into robotics. You know, to help build mm-hmm. out this robot dog and just kind of play with it. I think that's a fantastic idea. And uh, of course, as a dog person, I am glad that the robot dog was the first on the list. And also, we're going to skip the next one and go to the, the the next topic because who? No one needs to get a robot cat. I think that's kind of ridiculous, right? Oh, Whoa! I mean, I'd like a robot kitty. <laughs> You're going to talk it trash per, about a, a robot per. cat? I would never talk trash. You know how I would many just, cat <laughs> people we have in our I'm audience? I'm just saying a robot puppy is much cuter than a robot cat. Listen, I mean, it's one those, thing to make fun of people UK's money. <laughs> It's another thing to make fun of cats. Okay, <laughs> yeah. the cats run the internet. It's, it's, and so what, yes. what? What? What you're hearing is that when you make fun of something, it's okay, but when I do it, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you went way too far. Like the whole internet was built for sharing cat pictures, and you want to go to attack that? that no, you it's for attack that adorable audience? puppy pictures. That's what it's made for. No, that's no, what it's no. made for. By the way, you skipped over the fact that the dog has a LiDAR detector in it and can do real-time environmental scanning and can move around objects and things like that, that along awesome. with running and trotting and stuff. So it's very, very cool. And you can do little animations with its face so you can make yeah, it even cuter so with sleepy or happy or whatnot. But yes, there is a cat version of this, but it's not as advanced as the dog version. As Michael would say, dogs are superior to cats. So that's why, right? I mean, I you wouldn't just shrugged say, your shoulder there. I wouldn't so say that. I wouldn't oh. say that because I don't have to say it. It's objectionable fact. So uh, there we go. <laughs> but this is called the Aww. Nibble, and so it's cute. a the world's cutest open source cat robot. So if you want a little cat, and they have a video of them um, playing together. Although you kind of have to use your imagination because the one cat they have on a box, the robot cat, and then the other robot cat's coming up to it, and it more kind of falls into the box than pounces, but my imagination is there. <laughs> and, imagine what uh, it could do. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine what it could do. But it well, was like, cool. Who wouldn't want to have a robot cat like, set up so it could be on your desk in order to push things off? Like That just sounds... No, yeah, knock your cups do. off your desk. And <laughs> stuff. Yeah. We also have some miscellaneous items and gadgets to talk about here because they're not necessarily things you can go get but they were cool. They didn't really get the support they were needed or the company just changed directions. But Michael, actually, you brought this first one, which really caught my attention. I got all excited about it to find out you can't really get one anymore. So the thing that Ryan is talking about is this Linux-powered motorcycle. 
And I just wanted to talk about it because I think this is an awesome idea. And also the fact that this looks like a, a fantastic, like it's like, it looks like a super bike. And it is an electric Linux powered motorcycle called the Mavizen TTX-02. Unfortunately, I, I couldn't find any like recent articles about it. The oldest one I could find, or the newest one I could find was like 2012. So it's, you know, significantly out of date in terms of like information about it. But they it has a USB port, it had a Wi-Fi built into it, and its own onboard like server system. So it, it's a really interesting thing. And I I hope that still exists, you know, because I kind of want one. They want to bring it back. But they yeah. want to bring it back. It's cool. Oh, yeah. If it doesn't exist, bring it back because that would be fantastic. I this see so cool. the applications for utilizing Linux when you want to create something like having this real-time feedback system on an electric-powered vehicle where you have a lot of information you're wanting to transmit back and forth between the user and also the fact that we see so many vehicles coming out today with things like Wi-Fi and stuff built into them. But, of course, I would want it to be Linux. And so this is really cool. I think the timing of it was wrong. If you took something like this and released it today with as popular as Linux is, I think it would do much better. Oh, yeah. So oh, if the company uh, gets a hold of this, somebody used to work for them, sends it to, sends them this episode or whatnot, consider bringing it back and then coming on the show and talking about it because it's yes. a pretty cool idea. I like That'd be it. awesome. Yeah. And you know what? I saw it advertised on tech TV <laughs> back in the day yeah. and uh, they got on it and drove it around the city. And that was where I was remembering, oh yeah, open source motorcycle. Cool. Yeah. It would be <laughs> awesome. I think we need that back. The other thing that got discontinued that really never got to the point where people I think trusted enough to go buy it and then they discontinued it. So maybe their trust was properly placed. And that was the Jingpad A1. Like this was a really exciting tablet device because the specs were comparative to the latest iPad and the latest Samsung tablets out there. But it was supposed to run, of course, a Linux operating system and supposed to have the ability to basically put whatever OS distro you want on it there's some back and forth on whether the version that actually did launch and come out, you were actually able to do that with. But this was an 11 inch uh, display that had a 2K, 266 PPI, 350 nit, had a very powerful arm chip in it, 8,000 milliamp battery. It just, it had all of these awesome features. It looked really nice and had a keyboard too that they were gonna sell with this. But at this point it's discontinued. Again, I think there were a lot of issues with their advertising and marketing, which seems to be quite common with open source projects and things that they do really good job of making a really cool device and a terrible job of actually telling anybody about it and marketing it and following up on that stuff. So the Jingpad, I feel like, had an opportunity to really be something big, but people were probably on the fence already because nobody had heard of Jingpad, and then they really didn't finish the project out, as I understand fully. Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what happened, and we don't really know all, in terms of, like, there's not an official statement that it's been discontinued, but there hasn't been any movement from the company for at least And you can't six buy months. it on the site. The link's yeah. down when you go to yeah, buy you, it. Yeah, when you go to buy it, it, it just says the store is not, it doesn't exist. And you try to download the ISO to put it on another device, it also doesn't let you down. It, the, the file doesn't exist. So we're making the assumption that it's discontinued based on those factors. 
And I think that that's a fair assumption. But uh, I think there's there was a lot of potential to Jingpad. We talked about it on a previous episode, and it did look very interesting. And the specs that it said were really good, and the video demos they showed were really good. So I don't know exactly what happened with it, but uh, I think that it had a lot of potential, and it's kind of a shame that it's not around anymore. But at the same time, I think that there are still a lot of great gadgets that we've shown you today that you should definitely mm-hmm. check out. We'll have links in the show notes. And because you know... Holidays are right around the corner, right, Ryan? I mean, I'm wearing my Christmas shirt already because holidays are right around the corner, Michael. Good point. Of course they are. Of course they (laughs) are. Ryan's wearing wearing a a Pickle Rick, Merry Rickmas shirt. Yeah. So think about getting these gifts for the loved ones in your life now that the holidays are here or... They're not here. They're right around the corner. They're right around the corner. Very very different. (laughs) <laughs> but I have these to, are I have to put in like a little gifts. clip from the previous episode where you said that just because I, I just want people yeah. to get the reference of why we're talking about this the holidays are coming what is more relaxing I mean than... you're coming but you're pretty far like, <laughs> you gotta start preparing for these it, things it's Christmas in July don't you know <laughs> oh my goodness like, the hol- they're coming they're right around the corner I mean many <laughs> many corners but they're right around it is. I mean, we're we're starting to enter and getting close to holiday season, I feel like, in a few months or so. Anyways, I mean, I can make fun of myself, too. Of Merry Christmas. That's, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a sign of a good character, I think, Ryan. So there Thanks, you go. Thanks, Michael. That was a really <laughs> sweet compliment. That was really sweet. You know what else is right around the corner? What? Uh-oh. An ad read. <laughs> 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 This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. A password manager of software allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secure vault, auto-generate those passwords and usernames. You can even automatically fill them in if you want on the login forms, and you can access it across all of your devices. The first thing I need to get up and running on a brand new install is always Bitwarden. And I I mean that, like literally it's one of the first things I need to get started because it's my access and gateway into everything else. And I trust Bitwarden because it seals and encrypts your data with end-to-end encryption before it leaves your device. So you know you're the only person with access to the data. So go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And I mentioned it's completely free. You can get started for free. You don't have to pay a penny. You don't have to put a credit card in or anything up front. You can just go sign up and get started for free. But you're going to love this service so much and appreciate all the amazing work, including sponsoring our network that they do, and go for their $10 premium account. Let's say get you a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey U2F Duo, which I use my YubiKey as one of my authentication methods to get in a bit word, and I love it. works perfect. Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, TOTP, and Priority Customer Support for $10 a year. Everything's gone up in price. Not Bitwarden. They're keeping it at $10 per year. This is an amazing project filled with amazing people. We love them. Let them know we sent you by going to bitwarden.com slash T-U-X. That's bitwarden.com slash T-U-X to get started. Thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. In the news this week, we're going to talk about something that is happening in a discussion-wise for Debian. And it's really interesting because Debian does not come with any non-free firmware. And what I mean by non-free is that that term is not great, but it means proprietary. That's what that actually means. Uh, But many people love Debian because of this. 
However, there is kind of a problem when it comes to non-free firmware slash proprietary firmware not being included because it means that some hardware is not going to be supported by Debian, which can create some issues between, you know, maybe like a Wi-Fi card or, you know, even like the latest GPUs and not having access to support it with like NVIDIA GPUs and stuff like that. So with this kind of approach, it has created issues that are being discussed at the latest DebConf that Debian did. Now, this is this is also interesting because there is an unofficial non-free version of Debian that includes these non-free stuff that you can download the ISO and get access to this stuff. But most users would have basically no idea this even exists because you're not going to be able to find it on the Debian website. I actually had no idea. Five years in Linux, using Debian multiple times, and even variations of Debian like MX Linux, which I absolutely adore, I never knew there was an option that included non-free for Debian out there because there's no way to find it on their official webpage that I could see even after you told me this thing exists, Michael, and mm -hmm. there's no advertising it at all. So somebody's spending a lot of time building this thing, again, marketing, that's out there for people who want to use it. Maybe you have an NVIDIA GPU. Maybe you have that Wi-Fi card you can't get Debian up and running on with your machine. And nobody knows that that work is being done and or taking advantage of it unless maybe you've been in Linux for like 15 plus years or something. I don't know, because I don't know how this would have ever come across my desk that this thing exists unless this story broke here. It definitely would. Because it I never think. did in five years up until this point. I never knew. Wow. Nobody's ever <laughs> mentioned it. It's not a very common thing to see. And also in the chat, Luna says that it's buried on a wiki page. That's where you'd probably find it. Yeah. It's like that's yeah. the kind of issue that a lot of projects have where there's something that might be interesting for people to find, but it's so hard to find it that you're not even going to use it. Like, for example, I knew that this existed, but I didn't know where to get it. So, and I, and it, okay. it was just like an issue of when I, when, because at one point, like maybe four or five years ago, there was a way to get it in a certain way. And then they changed the website and it was no longer there anymore. So I just kind of stopped bothering to look for it. And yeah, that those kind of situations, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know that, that's just, there's a little bit of confusion when it comes to these sort of things that we've kind of applied. It's not just directly a Debian thing. There's also a lot of projects that aren't making it clear of how to get certain stuff that they want people to use. And I think this is partly we wanted to talk about it because we want to let it, people, everybody know that if you have something that you would want people to know about, you got to put a little bit of effort and a little extra effort and letting them know that they can. Mm. Yeah. But Jill, and you've been using this, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> Since, uh, you know, uh, Debian included a non-free ISO many, many years ago. Actually. Oh, you silver but, surfers say you know yeah. about everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, initially, you know, that was so we could get, I could get the uh, Broadcom uh, Wi-Fi drivers to work under Debian. And that's why I searched it out. I searched for an option out and found it. <laughs> so ever since yeah. then, I just installed that one. <laughs> yeah. See, if I wanted to use MX or Debian on the latest hardware, I would use MX because they actually have an advanced hardware release that yeah. they Dolphin advertises actually and is on their webpage that you can download if you have more advanced software. So I've always gone the MX route because I like the way MX sets everything up by default. Yeah. But I, I think it's kind of an interesting problem. So this thing exists. What else happened at this conference? So the Debian developer, Steve McIntyre, uh, did a, uh, a, a talk about the firmware mess. And they talk about doing like fixing the firmware mess. And it's really interesting because they, the problem is not having 
the proprietary firmware or the non-free firmware creates these uh, li limitations in terms of compatibility with various hardware. So they're trying to come up with an idea of what could be the solution to fixing this issue. And they gave a couple of options that were proposed to the, uh, the crowd in an open conversation style. And one of these options was uh, keep the current situation in no change, not the best way to solve the problem, but stop providing non-free unofficial images in general. There's other options, which is advertise the images with non-free firmware as official alongside the classic pure Debian and also include non-free firmware in an official Debian images, kind of like just including it by default in similar ways that Fedora does or perhaps something else that you know nobody came up with yet. Now, when they asked the room, the majority of them voted for option four, which was to include the non-free firmware in the Debian images, similar to other distributions, which, in my opinion, I think that is the best option. But I'm curious what, Jill and Ryan, what you think about this. I'm going for option three or four. And option three is advertise the images with non-free firmware as official alongside the classic pure Debian image. Yeah, yeah, I like but, three and four yeah. as well. I, I I don't like the term non-free. I yeah. think that's, that's really going that's to true. confuse people. If I went on to Debian's website to download an image and it said, and I wasn't like to us, we get it. But to somebody who's trying Linux for the first time and they see non-free, well, I, I don't want to pay for something. So I'll go with the other one. Like it just, yeah. it's such a stupid terminology that's used for this. Mm -hmm. But either way, the point is which one, well, three and four works. I think with four, you should give people the option. Ultimately, Debian, like Fedora, is also known for being, you know, very much focused on that open source philosophy 100%. We don't want to put proprietary stuff on. However, there are cases when you need to get your Wi-Fi to work, for instance, or video card for a specific hardware, that you need that. So giving the people option in the install, making it very clear that maybe it's something they have to uncheck. So if they don't know, they just kind of leave it checked by default. Uh, if you don't want that stuff. But I think I've never understood in the Linux ecosystem why Debian wasn't more popular. I never understood why Ubuntu's and Pop! OS and Mint and everyone else can make a far more popular from a user standpoint. I'm not talking about servers, although I think it's the case with servers too. Ubuntu's still more popular. But either way, why they couldn't make a far, why everyone else can make a really popular desktop for users off of Debian, but Debian can't. Like Debian is not the first one that we recommend to new users. It's not really recommended that often, honestly, ever at all. I don't think anyone, even when I was starting in Linux, ever said, go try Debian. They may have said, go try MX or all these others. And I think it's because decisions like this have honestly held them back. And if it's, it's so old and it's so outdated, some people like that. Some people need that for their older machines. But I think the vast majority of people coming into Linux these days have something that was built post-2004. So you probably need to start looking at how you add hardware. And I'm really happy to see that the developers, frankly, agreed with me there. I think now the question is, how do you do it appropriately? I agree with both of you that three or four is the best option. I think four is the best option, and I, I'm okay with the whole, you know, the idea you had about unchecking it if you don't want it. So if you know that you want to have the only open source or that sort of stuff, then you can uncheck it. 
but otherwise just you know include those things. I think that's the best option overall because if you just forced it, I think people would be would have like a problem with that. And if you did, and if you did the whole two different images thing, I think that would be even more confusing because now they don't know which one to get. And when you see that when you were talking about the non-free term. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I, I hate that term. I actually kind of hate the term free software. And I'll explain why. So people don't just immediately start, you know, typing in the comments about how I'm awful and I don't like free software or whatever. I don't like the term free software. The philosophy about it is fantastic. I love the philosophy of it. The term is terrible because 99% of the population of the planet refer to that phrase as being gratis, as in it's free as in cost, not as in freedom. So it's just a bad term because you're trying to convince the world that what this what these terms mean in a different way than everybody already understands it. And I think that that's not a, a good approach. And I would, say, I would even say that open source is not the best alternative either because it can be sort of manipulated into understanding what it means because uh, that's already been seen. So what is the answer, Michael? What is the answer? (laughs) Well, the answer is Libra software. Yeah. We talked about this on a, on an episode not too long ago about to use the the term floss free Libra over open source. I would also skip that too. Uh, Yeah. Just Libra software because (laughs) just Libra software. Well, the free implies (laughs) that it has to be free and Libra software doesn't imply that it has to be free in terms of cost. So people automatically assume when you have free and Libra that there's, there's some kind of difference between the two, even though they mean the same thing in the terms of that, that actual. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Listen, we all love zebras, Michael, but I don't know why we would name our software zebra. (laughs) Does it make sense? Libra. 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 Not not zebra. So there's also some people say Libre. Because that yeah. is a another oh, way of Nacho saying that. Oh, Nacho Libre. Word. He was that was a great movie. Sure, that that okay. Not. <laughs> I mean, we could debate that if you want to. No. <laughs> but Libre is the the Spanish style of saying that word. The Libra is the English way of saying that word. Because yeah. what's important is that word is in like fifty different languages, and it all it means is. the same thing. Yeah. Like that's why it's more important to use that term than the free software, because free software is very confusing because it can mean different things to different people and different languages. Whereas in Libra, it's very common to in various different languages to mean one specific thing, which is liberty. So that's why I want people to switch, start calling it, you can call it non-Libra. That's fine too, even though I don't like that either. But at the same time, that's better than non-free because Look, I love nachos. I love software. Nacho Libre. Not yeah. Libre <laughs> software. That's what we're yes. making. Yes. <laughs> As, that's what we're arguing as was recommended in software. our chat yes but i think it's a good point i think it can be confusing i think we're so far down that road switching it would be very very difficult and long road but you got to start at some point but yeah. i think it does cause a lot now. of confusion like non-free does not make any sense to anybody yeah, outside that's... of people who are deeply rooted <laughs> in open source community outside of that it makes zero sense i remember bringing this up to manjaro years ago and telling them that it made no sense in their ISO installer to say, do you want free or non-free version? Like nobody knows what that means. And they actually put it. So now it says, you know, a little quote box is telling you that this is for the NVIDIA driver. So at least it explains it in the Mm -hmm. installer Uh, because it's just people. Yes. If you're in Linux, you get it. But outside of that, nobody knows what the heck you're talking about, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah, the important and, piece. Is just, it's yeah. just they don't know, and they the problem with free software is that they make an assumption. 
Not that they don't know. It's okay not to be aware of something. It's bad when you make an assumption. But the problem is, is that everyone is going to make that assumption first. I did. When I first heard of the term free software, I assumed it meant freeware. And this was like in the 90s, but I still yeah. assumed it. And then I later found out it meant, oh, it's about freedom. Well, that's a, ter a terrible name to choose. But so Libra software, the reason why this is powerful and why it's important and we should all change, you know, we're going to just put it, you know, put it out there, draw the line and say, you should do it is because Libra software, there isn't an assumption made. If people understand what the word Libra means, then great, they understand it. If they don't, then they make no assumption because they have no reference point of what that could mean. So they have to look it up. And then when they look it up and see, oh, Liberty, then it's very clear it's talking they about They look it up and they see the Jack Black movie with him in a wrestler That might outfit. happen. I, don't, <laughs> I haven't tried it myself. I don't know if, if, you, if you search for Libra software, I don't think that Nacho Libre is going to pop up. But if you search for Libra, maybe Nacho Libre will pop up. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to do a test for science. But I think the Debian team uh, is making the right decision. I think they're doing Absolutely. the right thing here. I think the developers yeah. are on the right path because Debian's very popular. I think it could be extraordinarily more powerful and more popular if they were to make changes like this. So I I'm all on board. So. Good job, Debbie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If if I completely agree, if they do this change of doing the number four where they include it, especially with your checkbox idea, then there's going to be a lot more people interested in trying out Debian and staying on Debian because they're not going to run into an issue where their Wi-Fi card doesn't work or something like that. Yeah. When I do Libre, by the way, the first <laughs> I go to images. Is it not Joe Libre? Libre and him? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you checked it for us. Thanks, yeah, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. So, did you finally get your pre-order for the Steam Deck and are looking for a good indie action exploration shooter to sink arr, your teeth into? <laughs> then check out Axiom Verge 2. Uh, this game uh, lets you explore a sprawling alien world in the sequel to the award-winning Axiom Verge. And I love that game. I spent a lot yes. of hours in the original game. <laughs> Would you so, compare that to like Metroid, Jill? Would you yes. say Axiom Verge is like Metroid? Because that's what it reminded me of when I played yeah. the original. Yeah. In fact, it's like a 2D retro style uh, Met Metroidvania kind of game. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love Metroid. Uh, style games. And this uh, Axiom Verge 2 honestly has a little bit of everything for everyone. It has an awesome MIDI soundtrack and beautiful pixel art. Listening to this awesome music and watching this beautiful pixel art while exploring an alternative Earth-like world complete with the ruins of an ancient high-tech civilization. Woohoo! Another topic that we all love here on Destiny. They must have used Linux in that high-tech civilization. Yeah, no, no, they did not. They did not use Linux in that high-tech civilization because this is the ruins of the high-tech civilization. Oh yeah. So if they were to use Linux, it wouldn't have been ruined. They were using Windows, and they got the got to build exactly. Now we got to got to build a new universe with with good infrastructure that is Linux-based and not Windows-based. Perfect. Yeah. That's more like, like it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so in this game, you can hack machines and battle monsters. And by the way, the monsters are absolutely freaking beautiful in this game. Uh, use your You can use your remote drone to enter the breach, a parallel but connected reality that is filled 
with its own dangers and obstacles. So many games rolled up in, into one. It's a survival game. Right. It's a platformer game. It's a Metroidvania game. It's a little bit of everything. And that makes it so fun and exciting to play. It's only $17 on Steam right now. So you can pick yeah. it up on sale if you pick it up right now. <laughs> if you're yes. not listening to us live, that sale may be already gone. We don't know. That's why you need yeah. to listen to us live because we're on YouTube every Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. 1.15 p.m. Eastern. 1.05. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the week. Sometimes it's 1.05, 1.07. It depends. You know, it, because <laughs> sometimes Ryan's not ready before we start the stream. And it's just, you know, I just have to deal with him, you know, in his like setup process. I mean, he's got to find the right Rickmas shirt. All I've that got yeah. stuff. makeup artists. I've got hair exactly. hat artists. Hat artist. They make sure yeah, my hat hat's artist, perfect. Yeah. 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 I've the, got, <laughs> that's that's a fantastic idea. Like a job is just like pick a hat. That's all they have to do. <laughs> yeah, and they make sure it's straight. You know, perfect on there. Representing the red hat today. <laughs> Speaking of representing red hat today, our software spotlight yeah. is Penpot. So when I was at Nest with Fedora conference, they had this great talk about redesigning Fedora Docs and contributing to Fedora Docs. And in that talk, there was discussion about using Penpot which I was not familiar with until then, which is an open source prototyping and design platform made for teams, made for collaboration with teams there. And I was really impressed with it. Wanted to make sure I brought it to our audience here. Uh, whether you're doing web-based design, prototyping applications for organizations, all of those things, it uses open web standards like SVG formats and those you can install it on remote servers or use Docker Compose to get it up and running. So it's this very powerful tool with lots of ways to get it embedded or integrated into your organization and allows collaboration from masses, but in an organized fashion utilizing this tool. Jill, you went and checked PenPot out. What were your thoughts on this? Oh, gosh. I uh, First, I downloaded and installed the design system template. And honestly, I was very impressed with how easy it was to not just get started, but to create uh, simple vector graphics for web pages or, or a poster. It, yeah. Th this is great. I can recommend this to my students. And I was so happy you put this in the show notes because I never knew about it. And uh, yes, I was that's very always a impressed. Win. Yeah. When one of you guys don't know about one of the software. Actually, you got two I wins. Did. I didn't know about this either. Yeah, yeah cool. So, there you go. Cool. And for a beta, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so polished. Wait, this is and a beta? Yeah, this is a beta. Oh, wow. <laughs> when I was reading through the documentation, I was really impressed. And um, honestly, this is the open source UX solution we have needed for a long time. And yeah. it's collaborative and web-based. That is very I, cool. I've, there are some other ones that are just a single user based, but this one is is awesome. Yeah, the uh, collaboration team. aspect is really, really yeah. awesome. I, I think that's one of the the big things about like the design world is in the prototyping design world, there is more push goes going towards the collaboration aspects that there are uh, services that are doing this. And to see that there is one that you can do with an open source and you can self-host it, like that's um, mind-blowing to me amazing like as yeah. also in the design world uh you know that's something that i have wanted for a long time so to see this as an, an option so uh you know thanks for pointing it out ryan because they know mm -hmm. yeah. not only is it new it also looks fantastic so i am excited to try it Yay. yeah another thing that you might be excited to try 
is the tip of the week this week. So we're going to be talking about how to expand an, uh, a command's results. So we talked about the power of using piping with commands like the pipe symbol, and you can do like all sorts of different benefits with the pipe symbol, but there's one that you can do that allows you to more easily see a lot of results at once. So this week we're going to expand on all of that by giving you one command that will keep you, you can keep handy to use with the pipe command specifically, and that is the more command. So many times in the terminal, you will get a long sh a string of text or even so much that you can't actually see it all in the terminal. Even when you scroll up, it's just not going to be there because there's so much of it. And so this can make it hard to find and the relevant information that you want to find. So this is where the more comes in. So when you do a command and you uh, do pipe more at the end of it, it will create multiple pages. So you can scroll through those pages to see all of the results that are coming through this, uh, whatever commands you're running. So as an example, if you type wget space dash dash help, then pipe more, it will be able to take all of the, the commands for the, the information about how you use what wget wget and then put it in a multi-page layout so you can switch back and forth depending on what things you need to see. And in last week's episode, we talked about how to add timestamps to your bash history. And if you've been using your computer for a very long time, uh, for example, I've had the same install for multiple years, that means I have a lot of stuff in my bash history. Um, there, and if you, have a, if you haven't customized your bash history, you have a, a maximum of like a thousand entries. And that is a perfect example of when you use the more command or if you're like me and you customize and have more than a thousand it's even more important so having this as an option i think it'd be really important for people who want to you know use the terminal to get that sort of information but you're having an issue of like how much it's displaying so if you want more information you'll find links in the show notes more and information more get it if you want more i did not yes that's i so did good. not do that on purpose although i'm i'm i, I love that i accidentally did a dad joke this yes. episode yeah, yeah. pipe more <laughs> you want pipe more information oh check the better. show notes yes yeah you check the show notes yep <laughs> So we have to give a special happy birthday out there to the Gnome team out Gnome. there. Gnome, Gnome, whatever you want yeah, to pronounce it. doesn't matter because like, it's their birthday. I like to say birthday. Gnome Gnome. Just say Gnome. Gnome Gnome. There you go. <laughs> that way you get both of them and everybody's happy or everybody's yeah. mad. Either way, it's <laughs> everybody's mad. Yeah, so they have a birthday celebration. I'm sure they may be having some type of event or something going on tomorrow. I don't maybe, know of any event specifically. But I couldn't find any. I was yeah. searching, but yeah. I feel like they should have a little bit of a birthday event or get together or something. 25 there. years is a massive milestone, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, you at least need cake for a birthday. Yeah. You have to have cake. Well, I, I mean, they, they do we, you want cake or cupcakes? We talked about this previous. I mean, cupcakes are superior to muffins as long as everyone <laughs> agrees but, but, there and there's well, no well, muffin. Yeah. Nobody has muffins for their birthday. You know well, what I mean? Get, it's more important we talk about whether or not cake is is superior or inferior to cupcakes. Which it's one the same is, thing. It's no, just it's not. mini thing. cake. No, it's not. It's, yeah, the mini, it's different it's form not the factor. Same. That's <laughs> it. Form yeah. factor That's a different mouthfeel for sure. <laughs> no, imagine it's basically like this. The, the cupcake is like the small gadget to a cake. Like we talked about... <laughs> I think a cupcake is superior because it's less messy and you don't have to have a plate and fork. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's and right there. Also, calories. That's true, true too. Yeah. And there's also an extra benefit a lot of people don't think about is that a cupcake also avoids the birthday blow across their spit across the cake when people blow out candles. Yeah. Think about it. This is true. It happens. <laughs> good, good point. Not great. That's why I never eat cake unless it's a cupcake. <laughs> 
They could put although, that on a shirt. Your face. I never eat cake. It's a, it's a cupcake. Exactly. Like, that's a that's a new merch item in the store. It's yeah. actually popular now to have um, a a cake just made of cupcakes, and and yes. people blow yeah, up the candles on the top. Yeah, we do that for my top. kids' birthdays because yeah. you don't want a bunch that. of kids. Shoving their greasy little dirty hands into your cake yeah, or blowing smart. their spit across it. Exactly. You yeah. have cupcakes. Cupcakes exactly. are superior. All right. Good note, <laughs> let us know whether you guys chose cupcakes or cake for your birthday muffins. celebration. But happy yes, birthday. Nobody them. chose jilt. Nobody chooses muffins. Okay. Oh, no. Nobody on a oh, birthday picks oh, a muffin. Delicious. They might There's choose a donut. I love if you, donuts. If you don't like the person, maybe you'd bring them a muffin on their birthday. But whoa, you would, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. If we're going to have this conversation again, Ryan, muffins are fantastic. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so... We better end this show before it goes completely off the rails. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. Unless you're a fan of muffins, then I'm not what? sure. No, We're on we, the fence. We, we, even, we love you even more because muffins are fantastic. That's what Ryan's trying to say. <laughs> We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at tuxdigital.com slash live. Did you know this is a video podcast? You can actually on Sunday come and see our faces every yeah. Sunday live. The best That's part a is massive perk. You don't want to miss it. You could see what we look like. And for oh, that, and be- we know there are a lot of people who listen to the podcast only version and have no idea what we look like. It is possible to find out. You can. Yeah. Yep. And you can join us in our YouTube chat or audio video on our, our big... Uh, Digital fortress that we have. <laughs> yes. Digital fortress. Skybox. Skybox. Yeah. We and call it a virtual stadium, not a digital fortress, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Digital fortress. I'm ready for war, you know, against the muffin eaters. Against the muffins. <laughs> no, no, no. See, it's... Uh, I'm I'm on both sides. I like cupcakes and muffins. That's... that's yeah. It's not a, it's not an either or. You can... Why can't we have Pick. both, Ryan? Pick. Why can't we have both? Pick a side, you know? <laughs> You're either a friend or an enemy. Or a frenemy. That's why I have both. <laughs> you can also, like we talked about the digital fortress, you can join our patrons in that digital fortress and <laughs> hang out with us every episode in the patron-only post-show, which happens, like I said, every week. You can go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute, become a patron, and join us in that 60,000 square foot digital fortress. And also, you can check out the unedited versions of the show because maybe you weren't able to make it live to see our faces, but you still want to see our faces. You can do mm-hmm. that immediately with the unedited version because those are provided with for patrons right after we record the show. But if you want to see it, our video version later, there is the edited one. You can still see our faces. You don't have to show up live if you don't want to, but it's definitely worth it if you want. So go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to become a patron to join us in that 60,000 square foot digital fortress to battle off the ridiculous uh, notion that we can't have. Battle off pinchers and muffin eaters. <laughs> no, no, no. Those no. are the people we're going to war against. No, the, the muffin eaters are fine because you, you can muff, have muffins and cupcakes. You can even combine the two and have this uh, just, just monstrosity or, or in some people's yeah, opinion, can. but also this glorious confection are not in other same. people's opinion. They are not the, the same. Muff, muff, people like muffins are not the same. They're not on my level. I'm on your I'm side with here. the pin ca- chewers, but I mean, Muffin come on. people are down <laughs> <Pen> here. <chewers. laughs> That's the way it works. Uh, okay, so this is this has been a, an interesting episode for those who are, have <laughs> never seen the show before. And I just wanted to point out that one of the comments in the chat, it says, I mentioned earlier that this show was going off the rails. And one of the comments said, this show started off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, they usually well, do. Yeah, yeah, they usually do. But something that is never off the rails because it always has fantastic con- uh, merchandise and swag is the Tux Digital Store. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> TuxDigital.com slash store. You can get all sorts of great stuff. You can get mugs, hoodies, t-shirts, like hats, coasters, uh, apparently uh, random toys from Ryan's desk. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe merch from scale. You can get all sorts of stuff <laughs> except for the stuff that Ryan was showing. TuxDigital.com slash store. <laughs> and make sure to check out all our wonderful, uh, amazing shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. And everyone head to TextDigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. So everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination Linux extreme. Extreme. (laughs) Thanks for coming, everybody, and we'll see you next week.